0: So welcome to DecaPod, where every week we're reviewing different facets, different periods, different parts of the 1990s. And today we are going to be talking Robbie Williams and Robbie Williams across the 1990s. As always, I am your ever loving sidekick slash psychic as I get transcribed when it goes on the audio things of the show Terry Cook and it's wonderful to be talking at you all tonight. I'm joined by the supreme host of the show the mighty Emmy Morgan. How are you Emmy Morgan?
1: Okay thank you.
0: Oh, are we referring to you as the future Mrs. Cock?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but in no context. <laughs> future mrs cock now i have to tell everybody no nope, you know, we can
0: just leave it like that. i just leave it like
1: that that's fine
0: they can they can guess
1: <laughs> but yes yeah future mrs cock
0: how has your week been since we last recorded
1: my week has been good so yeah day jobbing listening to a lot of robbie williams greatest hits Probably for tonight, um, and doing what I love best, which is TikToking, <laughs> TikToking around the clock.
0: So, have you made loads of research and loads of notes for today's episode?
1: I have not, but I thought it was good that I at least revisited his greatest hits. Not even his back, cut, <laughs> back cuts like his, his, his greatest hits.
0: His greatest, which of which I'm guessing about sixty to seventy percent aren't from the nineties. <laughs>
1: Oh, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And there was one that I really wanted to focus on, and it is going to be... So, so
0: which 1990s classic were you wanting to focus on?
1: I wanted to talk about the whole swing when you win in.
0: Yeah, no, that was That's
1: 2000 it. or 2001. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Right, okay. Well, we did have a little pre-show chat and i did say you probably have to leave this but didn't know that quite this much so i'm probably going to mention a lot of songs that weren't in the 90s and i'm sorry
0: welcome to DecaPod. pod <laughs> um if this is your first time listening this is what happens on the show generally one of us kind of just about gets by while the other one falls on their ass <laughs> thankfully this time it's not me that's on their ass but either way Let's make a start. So, uh, Robbie Williams, across the 90s, what we're doing is kind of going year by year, looking at the things that happened across the 90s. If this works out, what well, we might do it with some other people going forward as well, but Robbie seemed a really good place to start because, I'm going to actually go back slightly before the 90s when I dive into this, because in 89, that's when uh, they started looking for this, this band. They wanted to get some of the kind of, what was it, New Kids on the Block, I think it was mm-hmm. called, in, in that kind of mould. And then in 1990, that's where they created Take That, which I believe initially wanted to call Kick It. That was the initial name for Take That. that they, they then changed to Take That. And Take That uh, was formed by Gary Barlow, Mark Owen, Howard Donald, Jason Orange and indeed Robbie Williams. Robbie Williams was 16 at the age of Take That forming in 1990. So before we go any further, I'm going to ask you for your thoughts initially on Take That. So from that period.
1: Yeah, I was I was a massive fan. I remember I got their um, first album, "Take That and Party," which was the white background with the blue writing and the, the T's, the two the, the upside down T and then the right side T in the little circle. I don't know why I went into so much detail on the logo
0: because you don't know anything else in that period.
1: So. <laughs> Talk about filler. <laughs> Um, but I, I think I must've been primed up, but I really, I did really love them when they came out. And I know if, if they were ever on a show, like, um, if going live before it sort of became live and kicking, if they were on, I used to sit there with a the VCR for every little snippet, because we, you remember when people used to go on live and kicking, particularly like when it was a band, like take that. They didn't just go and do one interview. They used to appear, across the show they used to make they used to like appear whichever side, like and I remember having a video it was basically must take that video to any time they're on tv to get that snippet but weirdly and I do remember this really vividly it always pops back in my head it <laughs> was one and they must have been on it at Christmas time so I was like getting all the take that <laughs> snippet but also recorded a guide on how to wrap Christmas presents it had nothing to do with take that, so that was just always in the middle of. I wasn't like, oh, I'll need this. This will be knowledge I will need in amongst like the take that stuff. But definitely loved Mark and Robbie the most, and just yeah, just thought they were like. So everyone liked Mark because he was super cute, but Robbie was dead cheeky. So Robbie was just he was goals. He was ultimate goals for me.
0: I always like Robbie the best, and I don't really know why. Because I've swapped before on the show, I like had an affinity for him when he left him, but I don't know why. Maybe it's just that that cheeky chappy. He also looked a bit like my cousin, who was also a cheeky chappy. Um, mm.
1: Does your cousin still look like Robbie? No. Oh. No.
0: Damn. He probably looks more like me now, which is a crying shame for him. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, my first memory of Take That, actually, that I, I can remember back is... Um, the video for it only takes a minute, which I thought was it only takes a miracle. <laughs> and I can remember being quite, even at that age, being quite confused, thinking only takes a miracle. <laughs> Surely that's a big thing.
1: Yeah. i like really sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: and I think in that, I could be wrong, but I seem to remember that video, like in some kind of boxing ring, there's sort a of gym thing going on in background. And, just watching intently, this video being really, really confused by the whole thing. But, that that was yeah, that was my first memory. It only takes a miracle.
1: And uh, isn't is it that video? One of their really early videos, aren't they? Like literally squirting each other with cream or something.
0: Well, oddly enough, their first single was called "Do What You Like."
1: And was that that one? That was that one. Yeah, yeah that
0: was uh, on the twelfth of July. That was released in nineteen ninety-one.
1: Do what you like. Um, yes, no that need one. to tell me. Do what you like.
0: And again, I think as a probably a nine-year-old, then I was a bit confused. <laughs> um I, I think it had the same effect on me as watching Tom Holland on um on lip sync battle. I said this somewhere recently, and that's very uh-huh. weird because I don't find Tom Holland attractive but I want to bang him when he does lip sync battle because uh-huh. it's very confusing for me. Um, and I can remember similar feelings watching that because that was a very confusing video. And also, I mean, look, I know it's the 90s. That's what we're talking about. Why would you get five lads to do that? That's like, <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to go down the whole sexism route, but it's like, I can't, I just, it just seems inappropriate. It's like, well, I mean, what's his name? Robbie must've been sort of 17 at the time. <laughs> and the others couldn't. I know I think uh, Howard and Jason were a bit older, but what's his name? Gary and Mark must have been not much older than that. That's just, oh, I don't know. Looking back now, I think put a 17 year old in that situation covered in soap with a load of blokes rolling around in front of my telly, and, and you're thinking, you know, problematic.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, someone's got to say it problematic. I remember being a bit, a bit confused by what they were doing again not quite there are you by you know only like nine aren't we so yeah but then as the yeah probably the next year or so no know know that they're attractive and they were definitely posters all around my wall at one point pretty much all of either take that or Anton Deck or PJ and Duncan as there would have been then they would have been and then just one massive poster of Keanu Reeves and Speed
0: and there were no more videos like that. I know there was some where they like prancing around with not much on, but there were none that were that, that homoerotic. Yes. And it's as if they've gone, let's let's make them do this. And then, yeah, maybe not. Maybe rain that in a little bit.
1: It, yeah. It's, it, it is odd. It is odd. But, yeah, that was, yeah. So similar experience, I think, almost for us when they first were on the scene.
0: But that was followed up by two singles, which I don't even recognize. Uh, so in um, uh, also in, well, in 1991, there was Promises. And then in 1992, there was Once You've Tasted Love uh, and Promises got... To, uh, what I will say is Do What You Like didn't chart in any of the charts anywhere.
1: <laughs> really? Didn't
0: get in anything. Um, clearly stated, didn't chart anywhere. Um, whereas Promises got to number 38 in the UK charts. And once you've Slug, got to number 47, 49. I can't remember I'm writing oh that. But I don't remember either of those two songs. I think the only reason I remember Do What You Like is because of the video. So clearly it worked.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's on the album as well, I, I think.
0: Yeah, um, all of them were. So those three were all on the album.
1: Oh, well, I would know all of those songs. But I'm like, I don't recognise the other two.
0: Well, I'm guessing that again, th- that first one is more prominent because it still gets played now when they're talking about embarrassing yeah. videos and stuff, whereas the other two must have just been a bit bland or or whatever. Um, but that was then followed up of the same album. Uh, so if what was that, Take That and Party, which released in August 1992, and that got to number two in the UK charts. So the other singles that came out on that, we take that, were Only Takes a Minute, um, which as I said, I stop because it only takes a miracle. Uh, I found heaven, a million love songs, and could it be magic?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're all bangers, really, aren't they? I found heaven, sweet. I don't remember that. Are they all covers.
0: Uh, I've genuinely no idea.
1: A million love songs was Barlow, wasn't it? Do you know what I liked about Only Takes a Minute, girl? Is like obviously someone spotted Robbie has got a bit a better face than Gary. And the guy, he can hold a note, right? Let's go. And I always feel like you know, there's the tension with Gary from that moment when Robbie's allowed to sing, and like, and I think it was done like by uh, David Williams and uh, Matt Lucas, and he said George Lucas, and that would be weird when they did like their pop stuff that kind of text like no i'm the singer i'm the singer (laughs) like that and and i really feel like you can tell that right from the start and that jealousy because gary's gary has aged and matured into a very good looking man but he was not a good looking 20 something year old i think we can all agree on that that bleach blonde look wasn't doing him any good see i don't
0: know there because i think that i mean the bleach blonde hair no it's not a good look uh Probably for anyone, <laughs> but especially Gary Barlow at that age. But I also he wasn't a bad looking lad. He was alright.
1: Nah, oh, he'd have been bottom of my
0: list. I'd, I'd have been happy enough looking like Gary Barlow. And I know, I know. To be fair, when I was that age, I was quite good looking. I kind of got to thirty and went downhill from there. Oh. So, um, but either way. Uh, so yeah. So but the the. It only takes a minute, girl. Got to number two? And could it be magic? Got to number three? I mean, a of love song's got to number seven. And what's your one? I found heaven. Got to number fifteen. So that was the kind of four that I suppose kicked them in a little bit, really.
1: Which is the one that Robbie sang?
0: Um, that is comes it? later. Which is uh, everything changes.
1: Does he not sing um, on "It Only Takes a Minute, Girl"?
0: He might do. He might. I think didn't, there's a couple where there's a few of them sung in there. I think, you know, like it might mainly Gary, but then one or two will bob in with a couple of notes. Is there any that Howard or Jason sung on?
1: I think there's one that I've been... I think it's much, much later. I think Howard sings one, but not in these early years.
0: Is it about a wooden boat? <laughs> I don't know. Is it like... when this is going way into the future from the 90s, but the, when they did Patience... I think there was a song on there about a wooden boat, and, and one of the Howard or Jason song that. It,
1: it feels very much like their equivalent of when um, the Beatles let Ringo sing Yellow Submarine to me. It's like, yeah, you have that one. <laughs> you That's fine. Yeah, you go off and yeah. sing. Do you know that like, I know we're supposed to be talking about Robbie, but the thing that bamboozles me the most is a thing about Jason Orange, and I have a bit of contempt for Jason Orange because I. Again, he's like second to bottom. If I'm, I have been like what I've been talking, been putting take that in list order in my head. And I would think just because I know how well Gary aged, that maybe puts him fourth rather than fifth. So Jace, right at the bottom, no time can dance, that's about it. But then has the effrontery to leave take that like the second time. Like he's, he's just like lost it. Like, that's ego at its like you know, left due to artistic differences. I'm sorry, what? I don't know what I've just done. I've gone off on a really weird Jason Orange 8 tangent.
0: Couple of things. (laughs) Um, Firstly, it's great that while I'm talking, um, we're having a discussion, rather than paying attention, you're ranking, take that in order (laughs) of bangability. I mean, you'd think that this many episodes in, I think we're on like episode 14 or 15 now, you'd think I'd just accept that whenever I'm saying anything, you're going to be thinking about blokes and the trouser package and in what order you would have the trouser (laughs) package. Uh, So I should accept that, but it still surprises me now. Um, Also, why did he leave this time? What what was uh, the reasoning behind Because I didn't even realise this until not so long ago, and I'm like, how come there's only three of them? (laughs) Where did everyone go? And why did he leave? What's what's the thought process behind that? Has he put his back out, or just, has he found out that he's at the bottom of your list?
1: He's gone into a deep depression. And we just I don't know You found. <laughs> the best.
0: I, I don't know why you're laughing you, at that. You
1: found out that he had left because one day you put on the. T- Good luck I not look at it this. I don't know what's happening. It's the funniest thing you've ever said.
0: <laughs> like, oh, that's good. Because he wasn't intentional. I just still don't know what I've said.
1: You found out that he had left because you turned the telly on What day when, when there's only three of them. And I just think that's very you. And the other thing is, I don't really know the exact reason why he left, but it was something to do with me. he was frustrated about like the songwriting process or something like that. You want to go, you want to be keeping quiet because you're like the um, Andrew Ridgeley of this group where you need to just go. Yeah, sure. Just tell me where to stand. Just tell me where my cross is and I will stand and I will do a little back lip for you when you tell me to and I will smile and I'll just keep, because where, where is he now? Hmm?
0: Sounds like my role on this podcast. <laughs> um, um, what do you mean it's so me that I will turn the TV on, <laughs> see three people and think, oh, there's only three of them. Well, I don't...
1: <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like not like the news <laughs> that kind of thing. Just, like, just one day oh I, no that makes where's sense that <laughs>
0: yeah that that makes sense um I don't pay attention to current pop culture <laughs> um i'm, I'm dreading doing the 2010s. And the 2020s, if you ever get to that, because that I'll have, we'll have to do that when I'm like 70, because it'll <laughs> go back to it then. I mean, in fact, that, a little flashback. If uh, if if you are not in the Decapod Facebook group, join the Decapod Facebook group, because you'll get to see awesome pictures of Emma when she goes on night out and gets bladdered, and she posts them in the Facebook group, which you'll then see Peter Garbatch, who makes a wonderful comment somewhere, <laughs> Terry's enjoying himself, sat down with a glass of Pepsi Max. And I'm like, yeah, I actually am. And I'm really happy.
1: It was, but that's the funny thing is, when the picture I posted, we were still fairly sober at that point. I mean, I'm very thankful I didn't post any pictures about two (laughs) or three hours later after, um, because we were video calling old uni mates and everything by the end of the night, so that would have been regrettable.
0: (laughs) That comment highly moves me, so, so thank you, our fellow guest. Um mm. and uh, and friend of the show Peter Garbach. So out of those songs from the first album, we had "Do What You Like," "Promises," "Once You've Searched Love," it, "It Only Takes a Miracle," "I Found Heaven," "A Million Love Songs," and "Could It Be Magic." Which would be your favourite song?
1: Do I have to? Do I have to choose from those songs, or can it be from that era? Of take that because none that of album. those songs that album, right? So yeah. that album, I've. I still, I still really think a good, the good start to the album is like "Come on, come on, come on, come on, take that and it. It's the name of the album, and it's just—I guess it, maybe it reflects like the age it was when that album came out. But it's just that whole do 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 and we would have made little. We did definitely make that was a feature from
0: Rainbow that you were singing then.
1: That would be do 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 do.
0: When you listen back, you will notice that they are identical. <laughs> what you've just done—the only thing you changed was the last note of what you did. You've somehow conflated take that and rainbow. Which one's bungle?
1: <laughs> what I want to do now is I want to um, now layer take that and party and the rainbow song like people clever people do and see if they actually merge. We might have discovered, like, a really good, like, mix or something like that. But, yeah, I definitely, in the playground, that would have been a song that we would have made a little dance routine to, um, and, like, taking it in turns to spin round and like do 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 <laughs> Now I can hear it. Now I can hear it.
0: I mean, you've hit upon a slight problem there for, for both of us when you've said, we'll do that like clever people do. <laughs> That's a bit of an issue for us. So, anyone listening that wants to do that,
1: well, yeah, do yeah. it and just tag us oh, in. It. If anyone could do that, I would be really happy.
0: Put the rainbow theme tune overtake that I'm partying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is anyone up to that challenge? Mine would be uh, Could it be Magic? I, I, I've done that thing game where I say it that quickly. It sounds like I've edited it. Because I say that quickly. <laughs> sounds like I've taken a bit out, but really, that's just me interrupting myself. Uh, Could It Be Magic? I quite like that song. Um, anyway, from there, we go on to their second album, which was in 1993. So we're still on take that, and it was Everything Changes. Mm-hmm. So whereas the first album got to number two, this one got to number one. Um, uh-huh. Songs on this album included Pre, uh Relight My Fire, Everything changes, ironically, that also the name of the album. Um Why Can't I Wake Up With You? And indeed, the worst song that take ever did.
1: Babe. Oh, you're I didn't say it again. I'm not gonna say it again. You what can't even call me. Nothing. Nothing. Um don't don't keep being down on Mark. It's a it's a lovely little song that is. That's 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 leaving B.
0: Quiz question for you. Those mm-hmm. those songs, uh, five of them, pray, relight my fire. Everything changes. Why can't I wake up with you? And indeed, Babe, only one of those five didn't get to number one. Which one? It
1: was Babe. And it got um I, I remember this from a previous episode. Um, uh, Mr. Blobby beat it. So it was supposed to be Christmas number one.
0: Maybe I've researched wrong. It said it got to number one where I'm looking, but it wasn't Christmas number one.
1: And I mean, that's it then. It didn't get to Christmas number one that they wanted, but it did either before or after. Uh
0: Why Can't I Wake Up With You got to number two in the February of 1993.
1: Mm. That's that weird echo when it's like, we're going to wake up with you, we're going to wake up. Yeah, it was um very formulaic pop when you look back on it.
0: I mean, was it? At the time, was it formulaic? And this is a genuine question. At the, at the time, was it formulaic? Or at the time, was it not necessarily new, but but more new? But because everyone's done it since then, because this is still sort of 92, 93, because everyone's done it since then, does it now feel formulaic?
1: I think it's formulaic, but they just nailed it in terms of that super band. It, like all the... All the things that needed to be in place were in place. Like our generation, were ready um for this. This band to sort of come in and sort of take over, <laughs> take take that over.
0: <laughs> um There are two songs that stand out for me for this album: "Relight like My Fire," mm. uh, which is great, and "Lulu" was awesome.
1: Yeah, I love "Lulu." I feel like you can almost between that first album and the second album you can really feel like that domination that they've got from the first you know, the first album you sort of saying didn't chart number 38 four, you know 47 and now it's like literally only one song didn't make it to number 1
0: well if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame I'm not going to completely spoil it but I'll be a little bit cautious we just there might be a tiny spoiler there's a certain point where people make a certain comeback and in the cinema, and still to this day, when I'm watching it, I will jump off the sofa and do a fist bump at that scene. That's still my reaction when Lulu comes in and relight my fire. That is the same, that equates to the portal scene on Avengers Endgame. They're they're up there level. In fact, anyone listening that can put Lulu in the portal scene on Avengers (laughs) Endgame, I'll be mightily impressed. Um, And the other one was Everything Changes, which Robbie took the lead on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was the first time you know i felt like i'd heard him sing um but also this it's ah, oh, there's a very interesting memory from this song because this is years later years later but the first holiday ever went to was tenerife and uh oh i spoke about this briefly on on your podcast um and i followed a lady out there not stalkerish it wasn't uh-huh. like she went and i just hid in a bush it was like genuinely she invited me. um Bit more amusing when I say followed. And I had a hat. <laughs> and when I were leaving, I sung Everything Changes to it and gave her my hat. And it's still the biggest mistake of my life.
1: Why? Because you missed the hat.
0: Yes. It was an awesome hat. Oh. And now I don't have that hat anymore. But there you go. But either way, everything changes and relight like my fire and my highlights from there. Um they're the ones that stand out to me.
1: Yeah. Obviously, I've got a nice. I've got a soft spot for. I really loved Babe, but you've got to remember, we all really loved Mark, and we wanted to be singing. He Wanted him to be singing that song to us. So, um, yeah, big, big moment, big feels for that song. But I agree, really like my fire. That kind of like, like when she like comes in as well, and yeah. Yeah, but this is also, by the time you get into the end of the album and after Babe, this is when I am turning my face away from Take That and looking at other bands and things.
0: Well, I'm going to come back to that in a second because I'm just kind of glancing down then, and it's like you look at, at those sort of list of songs from, for me, it only takes a minute. A Million Love Songs, Could It Be Magic, Pray, Relight My Fight, Everything Changes, Why Can't I Wake Up am and Babe, which I'm not that against. You know, I just it's not my cup of tea. So that list of, what, seven, eight songs, that's a really strong list for any band. And it's not come out in that order, one after the other. It's really impressive. I think that that's that's probably what put take that on the map, that seven or eight songs that just went like, bang, here you go. And that, everything changed. Like I say, there was... Um, Four out of those five were number one, and I think that that's massive. You don't get a lot of bands coming in with that impact. You might get two or three songs off an album here and there, but it's like just that. It's, it's mightily impressive.
1: It's the difficult second album as well
0: that was better than the first, mm. although it doesn't have rainbow featuring on it. <laughs> a brilliant two-second delay before he started laughing then. And anyone listening is going to think, it's just laughing because she pities him now.
1: <laughs> That's literally how long it took my brain to process.
0: But then we come on to the next album, which um, genuinely baffled me because I do not remember it being called this, which was Nobody Else.
1: Uh, just about. Is that the one where they're the dolls on the front?
0: Yes. Yeah. I, I did not remember the name of that. Now, I also think that I was a little bit like you, in the, I, I'm kind of turning away from take that at this point. I don't think it was through necessarily going into Britpop. It was more, no, I think Scatman John was out of this time. <laughs> but, but why were you turning away from take that at this point?
1: Because I was, I was becoming a, a full-on teenager, and I wanted to like call the music, and I just, I just think, particularly as a girl, I think you just grow up really quickly it's almost like an overnight type thing and i do think it happens around 12 13 when you go when you go to secondary school and stuff like that and i think that kind of happened and it just wasn't cool just one day it just wasn't cool to be that age and like take that it's fine when you're 10 11 but become 12 13 and i i do you know what i actually do remember what the turning point would be so in the first year of grammar school there was a boy who liked me and he liked me because I mean, it's completely wrong. It's completely wrong. Right. So please don't think I believe this, but he was just like, she looks like Courtney Love and I'm really into Kirk rain. So I kind of like one talk to her and stuff like that. And I would have discovered Nirvana and that's what it was. I discovered Nirvana kind of via this boy then and then got into things like, um, Oh um, I think I always say it's Pantera, but I don't think I say the name of the band right. But those kinds of heavier rock, that grunge kind of scene was like coming in, and I just went off in that direction.
0: Um, I don't know what it was for me. I think part of it was that sort of everything changes. That's I kind of gravitated a bit more towards Robbie Williams through yeah. the album, even though I wasn't. You know, like I say, not been drawn to him properly at that point. But then, uh, with the nobody else album, that's obviously where Robbie left a few songs and stuff, which we'll come on to shortly. But I think that this the, the three songs that came out before Robbie left were were sure, back mm-hmm. for good and never forget. Mm-hmm. Although he left during the never forget one, but for the purpose of this, mm-hmm. that it was there for that. So and he was on the song. So um, so yeah. So those three still three really good songs, and all went to number one. So I'm just going to go back to that list. That adds number three to that list. So you've got like 10 really solid songs there. And I think for me, then Robbie left. And all of a sudden, the one potentially cool person in the band has gone. Yeah. So even if you were going towards Britpop, but still had a lingering for Take That because it had that one potentially cool person and, you know, it was hanging around William Gallagher and Noel Gallagher at the time, you know, so there's a kind of a link to Britpop there, if you like. He then goes, which severs all the chords, which makes it a purely a cheesy boy band.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing that Robbie did, which probably got him in a lot of trouble, was he really sort of... Took away that veil, that curtain about that they were just super duper good boys because all of a sudden he's like he's there with a, you know he's seen smoking and things like that and I think there was almost this Osmonds type of super I bet there was rules with them you are never seen out smoking and things like that because that was that era of the your clean cut we are selling you to prepu- prepubescent girls and things like that we want them to believe that you're that perfect little Boyfriend material. And then all of a sudden, Robbie leaves and kind of goes, I'll do what I want now. Yeah. So I, I'm off to Glastonbury <laughs> and, and, and things like that. And really, and I actually think that changed. I mean, you still have kind of had, because you have Boyzone coming through after that, and they were still quite squeaky clean. We don't do anything like naughty or anything like that. But I actually think if you think about more recent sort of, if you think about McFly and Busted and things like that. They've never had to have that super-duper clean boy image. So I think it was a massive part of that was Robbie breaking down that.
0: Well, I think that ties in with, like, the Britpop stuff. You know, like, you look at the people like like uh, Pulp and the big three, Pulp, Oasis and Billy, look at them. they were never clean-cut. Mm. You know, and it's there coming out of that 95, 94, 96 period, and that's what Robbie's gravitating to. Yeah. And the rest of take that, whether they're – where all weren't, they weren't displaying that, and I, uh, you know, that that split it. I think, but also, the other thing, and I've just noticed this looking over now. There's a decent size gap between sort of the last songs they released, "Everything Changes," and the the first songs and nobody else. It looks like the sort of nine or twelve month gap between those. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of when, like I say, the the Oasis and the whatever are filtering into it. It's. Maybe if they'd have brought the album out a bit earlier, and it just follows on, but you have that big gap where the likes of of you potentially aren't listening to take that because there's nothing new coming out. But then all of a sudden, all this Blur song sounds different. Yeah. And when take that comeback with sure or whatever it is a comeback with, it's like, oh well, that's good, but that's like what they were doing before, and this all very shiny.
1: Yeah, Which
0: I think is really interesting, but. Um, yeah, those three songs, Sure, Back For Good, Never Forget. I, I really liked all three of those. And Back For Good, at the time, I presume it still is. Uh, I suppose it could have changed with a recent outing. But at the time was the most successful song they'd done in terms of sales and stuff like that. Um, but it was during Never Forget, the promotions Never Forget, that Robbie Williams decided to leave. Um, mm. He left the take that train. Maybe he'll return one day. Who knows? Because we're in the 90s. We don't know what's coming up.
1: yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, so he left at that point. Take that did continue uh, for for a little while. It continued, never, never forget, and then they, they carried on. But we will leave the take that train at this point, and we will head <laughs> over and follow the Robbie Williams solo career. But just before we do for one minute, I'm going to actually pretend I'm a proper podcaster and kind of take a pause in the middle of the show to say, "Go click subscribe," and and that, should we take a minute to tell people what to do, Emma?
1: Yeah. Do you want to do that?
0: Yeah, all right, I'll do that. (laughs) If you're listening to the show and this is the first episode you've listened to, I mean, firstly, it's not, you know, go back and listen to some of the others. You might enjoy them more, It sounds like we know what we're doing on some of the others. Um, But if it is your first time listening or you've listened to loads but you haven't clicked subscribe, go click subscribe. Because every now and again, we release a little bonus episode, much like we did for the Halloween special where we did our top 10 Halloween films, which is really oddly amicable very weird (laughs) um but yeah so make sure you click and subscribe so it drops into feed every time also i'm going to ask you to do more things loads of things leave us a review whether you leave it on uh apple or whether you leave it on the facebook page or whatever or even just text me just find (laughs) me on messenger and say terry i love the show because this week i've got no reviews to read out and that makes me sad you don't want Terry sad. Um, so yeah, leave us a review. Go and subscribe. And if you want to find us, you can find us on Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram, um, and on Facebook, which is probably the where we're most active. Uh, find us on Facebook, just search for Decapod. You can join the group, lots of fun stuff over there. Anything I've missed?
1: No, it was beautiful. Oh.
0: It's beautiful. Right. It makes us sound like we know what we're doing and we do it in the middle like that.
1: Well, you do. I I just rock up.
0: Yeah, we've established this. <laughs> Which uh for anyone not for anyone not aware, I don't think it's out yet. Uh, we did appear as a as a pair on another podcast. And I think Emma said the quote, I'm not really interested into the podcasting that much. I just want to talk on a mic for a bit. I mean, that was pretty much the quote. <laughs> And yet somehow I have been labelled the sidekick of the show and she is regarded as the host that, that runs the show.
1: I'm the talent, baby.
0: Anyway, <laughs> um, back on to Robbie. So we Robbie around about 94, 95 Robbie, and I'm not going to get too deep into this because I don't know all the details and it's a bit personal, but Robbie was uh, having troubles, shall we say, with drink and drugs and so on and so forth. He was mixing with the Gallaghers, and I'm fairly confident anyone that mixes with the Gallaghers (laughs) will have troubles with drink and drugs and so on and so forth. Um, So June 95, that's when he was out found partying with Oasis. And then in July 95, the band offered him an ultimatum, which basically was get your act together, don't be a dick, stop doing drinking drugs, stay away from the naughty Gallagher boys, and you can stay in the band or leave. Guess which one Robbie did, Emma?
1: Well, we know, yeah, he left. But when did he do the whole you and me, Liam? When did that happen at the Brits? Had that happened a couple of years before?
0: Well, we were talking before the show, and I spoke about how uh, I lost all my notes I'd done on the Uh computer. I hadn't wrote that one down, so I don't know what year it was. <laughs> but I think that was after he'd left Take That. I don't think it was while he was in the band. I think it was after. I think it was during the uh, the Life Through a Lens period.
1: Oh, wow. So he's kind of left Take That, gone to hang out with them, then fallen out with them. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Um. And that was... Was it... It was Robbie that said it at the Brits, wasn't it, when he said... Um, me and you, Liam, million of my money, million of your money. We'll have a boxing match.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it is.
0: And Liam's like, all right.
1: <laughs> Amazing.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, our kid.
1: I can't even attempt it.
0: Now, that's as much as I can do. It not get better than that.
1: Huh.
0: Although I was going to do my uh, impression, but it's a visual one, so I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he left Take That. Obviously, they had the differences now. When he left Take That, um, he was under his contract, he wasn't allowed to release any new material as long as the band stayed together.
1: Ah, I never knew that. Thought yeah.
0: Unfortunately, he released new material and he got <laughs> sued by um, which I presume was a record label or something that sued him to the tune of about a quarter of a million quid.
1: Oh, it's like more change to him. Yeah. Not at the time.
0: Yes, but the single they released was Freedom. So it's like it almost seems like, was it worth it for Freedom?
1: Mm-mm.
0: In July 1996, that is when Robbie released Freedom, which was a, a cover of the George Michael... I'm going to say classic. I'm not necessarily sure I'd say classic. Oh, I it.
1: would. Oh, well, I would.
0: Here's an interesting thing I didn't know. Uh, July 96, Robbie released. I got to number two, which I didn't think it got that high in the charts. Um, but... That is 26 places higher than George Michael's version.
1: Interesting.
0: Which I did not know. I did not know either of those facts.
1: I wonder if George Michael re-released Freedom as well, though, and it maybe got higher after that.
0: No idea. Um, But it it didn't feature on any of Robbie's albums until... um, until he put it in his greatest hits, when he did his greatest hmm. hits, and then it was in there. What did you think of Freedom? Were you interested in Robbie at all at that time, or was it just his trying to be cool like the Brit, but, but, Brit, Brit um, oh, those words?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't have been, I'd have, have rolled my eyes at him a little bit at that point and been like, whatever, um, whatever, Trevor. Um, if you want to like... It just still felt like a bit of a lover's tiff between him and Gary Barlow. But yeah, I was well ensconced in Britpop land and anything mildly pop-like at that point would have just been like... I
0: think the thing for me, I was really intrigued. I can remember to see what he actually did because when... Like, again, your Britpop stuff. It never felt like that Britpop was a, re- a rebellion. It never felt like that. It just felt like something different. And I can remember uh, my school teacher, my form tutor, I wonder if he's listening. Uh, hello, Mr. Beach. Um, saying that he felt sorry for our generation. And he wasn't spe- speaking specifically about Robbie or anything at this point. I'm just saying he feels sorry for our generation because it's the first generation that doesn't really have anything to rebel against that 90s Era. And it's like, you're probably right when I look back now. And I think that resonated a little bit. It's like, oh, Robbie's rebelling against this, take that stuff. And I think that was probably the first thing that hooked me on him a little bit properly. Like, oh, it's rebelling. Oh, someone's rebe- rebelling. This is cool. So I was quite intrigued to see what he did. Then when he released Freedom, I can remember just thinking, well, that's a bit anticlimactic.
1: Yeah.
0: And I kind of get why he did it. And, um, you know, the video actually I did quite like, which I think was just him dancing in a street somewhere. But it did amuse me. I don't know why. But, um, but yeah, I thought at the time it wasn't very good. But I think looking back, it was probably a good choice because it wasn't on an album. It was just him almost wanting to sever his ties with tape. I can imagine, based on what I was reading about the, the contract thing there, I'm going, screw it, I'm just going to do a song because once I've broken my contract, then at least I'm out of it. No, that was it. He's, he's out of his contract and then ready to rumble.
1: Yeah, it just feels like a massive FU. Yeah. Don't care. And I would imagine his agent went, look, well, plans that we've got, like I said, that'll be small change.
0: And it's like you you listen to them now and you can kind of hear both sides of the story and they both admit they were wrong with some stuff and and not with others and, and so on and so forth. But it's like anything, it's like when this, when we have our breakup on this podcast, you know, it'll be like hatred and we'll, you know, be mudslinging. And then in 20 years' time, we'll just get together. When in the moment, you don't necessarily accept that you're doing anything wrong.
1: Do you want to keep Decker or Pod?
0: <laughs> I think I'll keep Pod.
1: Oh, that's good, because I quite fancied Decker. So, oh, even this has been amicable. That's fine.
0: <sighs> Change my mind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's um, fine because i was actually doing like reverse psychology and i wanted pod
0: i'm gonna do it again then go ah well i reverse something that, but that's <laughs> a bit long-winded either way <laughs> that was in 1996 and in 1997 there was a beautiful coming together with robbie and guy chambers
1: oh yes
0: that's where the magic started so um, then in 1997, that's where Robbie's first solo album came out, Life Through a Lens. Um, and that got to number one in the UK album charts. Life Through had, a Lens.
1: I had that album. That's the only one of his albums I actually had.
0: I had that one and I loved it. And at the time, and probably still now, it's the album I enjoyed most upon buying it. Um, it's the one that I just put on and left on repeat and mm. knew all the words and, and were able to sing like that. And yeah, even now, if I I don't download albums now, but if I, you know, Mm. it's like at the time, that's the one I enjoy most. Maybe second to Scatman John's album. Um,
1: (laughs) Of one song.
0: (laughs) Two, there was Scatman World. Um, But yeah, so the songs that are released from there were All Before I Die, which got to number two. Lazy Days, which was number eight. South of the Border, which was number 14. Angels, number four. And Let Me Entertain You, number three. Give me your thoughts on those songs.
1: Um, I still really like my problem is so my problem is I do still really like them so I think Let Me Entertain You is numbered trap one if I remember right I think that's how the album starts might have remembered that wrong but I feel like that's what kicks it off and I really like it Angel similarly is a really good ballad but I have a massive issue with both of them now in that they're severely overplayed And I hate anything that gets too into the mainstream when people can almost go, that is a good song because it's almost like they don't need to develop taste in order to understand that. So that isn't like a journey you and I have been on where we've listened to the album and we've gone, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Like that, that, that. They just know it's good because it's played all the time. When something gets played enough, people learn that it's a good song rather than actually having musical taste. Um, And yeah, I was going to share an anecdote, but it's not appropriate. So it genuinely isn't. So I'll tell you what it is after the show. <laughs>
0: That's a Patreon exclusive, right there. <laughs> um, I wholeheartedly disagree with what you just said, um, which I'm sure will be surprised to anyone listening, in that I I don't know, maybe disagree is the wrong word, in that I don't care in the slightest. I think that if, if I learn that a song is good, and sometimes it can just grow on you. But if I learn that a song is good, well, what? that's irrelevant as to who discovered it first. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, it's still the same song. It's still the same band. It's still the same album. What does it matter that it's become popular or not?
1: No, it's not. So it's still, that's still the wrong way around, is I haven't got a problem with it. with you liking it and it becoming popular, what I don't like is, if you hear enough times people say the the song Angels is one of the best ballads ever, and then you decide I will agree with that because enough people have told me versus listening to it and deciding. That's the difference for me.
0: Yeah, I suppose I can understand that, but that doesn't take anything away from the song for me. It's it, Oh,
1: yeah, it totally does for me.
0: I I do not care if anyone else's opinion on it. It's the like well, I st- ruin it. You've, we've, we When we did our top 10 films, I put Tammy and the T-Rex in. No one else would ever put Tammy and the T-Rex in their top 10 films of the 90s. I love it. I, I don't. The, the other opinions do not faze me in the slightest. It's still my song. And yes, I agree with you in that I can get annoyed when I have other people talk about stuff in a certain way. Like you've said, I'm going to say I like this song because everyone else does. That I can understand, but it still doesn't detract from the song. It detracts from the person.
1: I just I see but this is where this is another key difference between us is this whole thing about when someone is problematic I kind of give up on all their work where you're like no I can separate I can separate the two I have the same problem with this it's just like because I can imagine people that make me cringe enjoying it I can no longer enjoy it because I'm a snob oh
0: I've watched Notting Hill that many times that I really enjoy it now bullshit No, oh, i'm gonna find some uh, just to destroy one of your films for you why why not
1: <laughs> because it's mean
0: <laughs> yeah all right valid point but no i do i, I love angels uh, and the, the interesting thing about this album oh, I mean, lots of interesting things about the album i'm sure but the thing that interested me was uh looking back over it when the album came out i don't think it got into the top 10 And uh, and it came out in September. Carry my mind. The album came out and it didn't get into the top 10. But when Angels came out, Mm -hmm. it sort of shot up to number one and stayed there for ages. And it's like, um, oh, that's what the rest of the album was like, and it and it wasn't. It's like no. I think Angels was the only song like that, but it is a cracking song, there's no getting away from it. Let me Attain you was great. I even like the other ones, oh, before I die in lazy days. Now, South of the Border. Um, Robbie was saying at the time, I don't know if he still thinks it's way, but said at the time he thinks that's the best song on the album. And I think that generally people-I mean, that was the only one of it, that album that didn't get in the top 10. Um, but he was saying that's his favourite, and not just his favourite, but the, the one that he thinks is the best song on the album, and yeah, it didn't even get in the top ten.
1: Yeah, but that's, that's often the way when you're a pop person, that's that's going to happen, isn't it? Because your fan base are going to like the poppy stuff. I think my favourite on the album is Life Through a Lens.
0: Mine's, I've, I think mine's Angels. I think it is. Yeah. Um, I do like Old Before I Die. I can't remember a lot of the songs that weren't singles off the top of my head now, but at, at the time, I remember really, really loving Let Me Entertain You. I loved yeah. it, and I think this is one of the other reasons why I like Robbie so much. I could understand his lyrics. Yeah, I could. I can hear them. And that makes a difference to me because my partly because my hearing's shit anyway, but it's like I listen to that many songs that I ain't got a clue what's going on. I always get his looks, and I think let me entertain you was like that. And the the video, I think this is where he started doing them really cool videos, sort of following yeah. on from Let Me Entertain You because that was why we dressed up as Kiss, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Cool.
0: Um, so yeah, that was Life Through a Lens. Uh follow followed that up with. I've Been Expecting You, which was released in August 1998. Uh, that also got to number one. Now, there were four songs released from uh, I've Been Expecting You. It was Millennium, which got to number one, was his first number one. There was No Regrets, which got to number four. Strong also got to number four. And She's the One, uh. Uh, which got to number one, which I didn't think it did, but apparently it did.
1: So this is um, – so She's the One, I think it- – she's the one it's there that and another song which I don't know whether is a 90s song or not we will find out and I'm not going to mention it yet um, but she's the one I think is possibly my all-time favorite Robbie Williams song and I've mentioned this on a previous episode and a lot of it is to do with his music video for it because it's genius that like, it's beautiful so it's another slow ballad but the ice skating idea and it still blows my mind how much of that kind of making it look like Robbie was genuinely like ice skating in that video, like doing like the super duper. Um, I think I've said super duper about four times in this episode. So apologies for that. Um build that into like the um decapod bingo shots game for definite. Um, but I I I remember I love that video, but that was the other thing was That's what he was master of. He was master of music videos. And I think his music videos caused enough sort of hype around the song and people wanted to sort of um, get the song based on the video and, and stuff like that. He was really good by that time about what the Robbie Williams brand was. And kind of sort of bringing stuff out to that. But the other thing is, how varied was his style? Because you've got like, you get, you think about it, it can go from sort of, let me entertain you, but then he can do these really lovely um, love ballads. Like, She's the One is a beautiful song that I think anybody would love to have sung to, to them, like serenaded.
0: And are serenading it, does not it really? <laughs>
1: No, I think. Do you know what it could? It could turn. It could turn me, like, from no to oh. <laughs> Just um, saying, anyone listening.
0: But no, I think you make a really good point. Though it, it's not something I'd really considered before. But the variety, I suppose, like we said with a uh, life through a lens, you've got angels, and then there's nothing else like that on there. And then you come to this one. And although well, having said that, you look at uh, no regrets and strong. They're quite similar. Mm-hmm. But then you've got uh, She's the One, which is like full-on ballad and Millennium. I don't even know how you describe Millennium. It's poppy, I suppose. Mm. Um, But just regarding the videos, um, you had Let Me Entertain You, which was the last song released from Life Through a Lens. And then, so that's where the video started, where he's dressed up as Kiss. And you had Millennium, where he's doing James Bond, She's the One, as the ice skater. I can't remember what I did for the other two, but, you know, it's changed Mm. then and it starts. And I think you mentioned his brand and and it, it, It kind of clicked for me then as well that I can remember at the time noticing his brand, and in particular, almost like his logo. He had the RW with like a little star on it. And you think about how he put himself across – and I think it was intentional. It was, this is me. I'm this this cocky, this confident. I'm the showman. It was almost trying to be Freddie Mercury. Yeah. And I, no, that's wrong. I don't think it was trying to be, but trying to be that type of showman. And that's not the person we, he is. You know, we know that he's broken inside. But he was, that, that was his brand. That was who he was. And it's like, I don't think I'd kind of followed it before, but were you saying that? I can remember noticing it. And I can't remember anything else at that time, possibly with the exception of the Spice Girls and Girl Power, where they've gone, this is us. This is our brand. We're not just a a singer. We're not just a band. We are this brand. Yeah. And, And marketed that. And I think that that's where kind of Robbie got to that point there where it's like when Robbie releases an album, it does well. Yeah. Whereas even like Blur and Pulp, you know, i going to be careful how I say this because you might shout at me. It's like irrelevant of, ugh, I don't think they had that same gravitas. They could release an album and irrelevant of the quality of it, it wouldn't necessarily do well. Does that make sense?
1: It does make sense. But the, the difference between them is, is they wanted to make music. Yeah. Robbie Williams wanted to be Robbie Williams and be famous. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily even saying that as a slight on Robbie Williams, but he had a different passion. He had a passion for fame. And I think if someone had said to Robbie Williams at the same day, they offered him take that. Do you want to be a film star? Instead of being offered, take that he'd have gone off and been a film star. I believe he would have got fame, whatever it was he would have wanted to do. He wanted fame versus they wanted to make music.
0: I mean, I'm not sure I'd say fame. I mean potentially, I don't know, but I, I think almost more performance wants yeah. to perform. Uh, I've used the quote before on the show. I'll, I'll butcher the quote, but you know, I didn't want to be Gary, Gary ba- I didn't sign up to be Gary Ballow's backing singer, but I would have done. It's like, yeah. well, he gets to perform, gets to be Gary Ballow's backing singer. Then he gets to leave and gets to go and you know pretend to be James Bond over here and and, and that kind of stuff. And I, so yeah, I think that it was probably round about this time where it's Robbie does it, therefore it must be good. And it just showed himself off, and I can remember listening to the radio and watching people, uh, watching programs about it, talking about him, and just saying how he's just is almost like an enigma. You know, the—he's not. I don't think anyone was ever saying he's not very good, but I think that it's almost like he's um, a seven, eight out of ten. But because of the way he puts himself over, it bumps it up to a ten. Whereas yeah. you look at a blur, there might be a nine out of ten. But the way they put themselves over, it almost drops it down to a 7 out of 10.
1: Fuck that. There are 12. So. <laughs> I made a
0: reasonably intelligent point there and you just ruined it. it.
1: Well, you shouldn't have, I mean, Damon's, like, sorry, I've just picked a spot and it's bleeding.
0: <laughs> I mean, I've got a sneeze coming, so I kind of keep putting my hand up to my nose just in preparation. And I've not told everyone that. No, one needs to, the listeners don't need
1: to know that. They would never know. You, you... I, it, I just got a bit like, oh, there's blood on my hand. <laughs> anyway, um, I would agree. And, you know, I was watching some clips of him performing live and it is probably, probably a little bit after this album. But there's some amazing clips of him and there's one... He falls over, he's trying to do this massive move and he falls over and he styles it out like nothing I've ever (laughs) seen before. And I think it's something like it's his concert and it's not just like a massive like stadium. It's also being broadcast all around the world. And it's one of these things and I'm going to use it when I do coaching at work, genuinely going to use it to kind of go, everybody is scared of failing at something but watch Robbie Williams style it out when he falls flat on his ass in front of the entire world, basically. And he just gets up and goes, and he just calls it out, just goes what it is. He doesn't miss a beat. He doesn't, he just carries on and his show continues. And I think that is testament to what you've said, which is, yeah, he probably is about seven out of 10 for a singer. And I think he would admit that. I don't think he's under any illusion that he is a perfect singer, but you add, I mean, I hate to use the phrase, but it's it's fucking X factor, isn't it? He's got the X factor, which makes you overlook that he's not the best singer. Do
0: you hate to use that phrase because lots of people use it now?
1: I just hate that show.
0: Fair enough. Uh, let's do an X factor special.
1: <laughs> um,
0: the summer I kind of I think either forgotten or just overlooked until you mentioned it then. Robbie Williams is genuinely the only performer I've ever gone and seen live.
1: Wow. And, right, you're going to like this. I've only seen him as part of Take That. I've never seen him perform solo.
0: That's about 13-1 to you. <laughs> got one back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, just going back to those four songs, Millennium was his first solo number one. Um, she's the one got to number one as well. She's the one, I didn't know this was a cover.
1: Wow, I didn't know that. Who was the originator of that?
0: I am trying to look it up as we speak. Um, but, yeah, I um, was surprised by that. And I'm talking slowly. To give you <laughs> time to find uh, She's the One, a cover of, I have no idea I'm going to pronounce this, Carl Wallinger, oh. a track from the album Egyptology egyptology was a favorite song of robert williams after his time in rehab
1: oh wow oh that's got like a nice extra bit of meaning to it now yes i like that
0: yes um and one thing we haven't mentioned just because i've just seen it on air and i forgot to say at the start robert peter williams
1: his full name oh okay
0: um so yeah it was a cover in his favorite song in rehab which i didn't know i assumed it was a robbie williams solo what do you call it an individual one His own thing yep same okay so that brings us up essentially to the to the end of the 90s because he didn't do anything else after that uh until the 2000s which um is apparently is what you've been looking at (laughs)
1: <laughs> the main, based up my research took place i didn't i didn't think about we'd only cover him at the 90s and i know you're gonna go but i told you ever that we were only going to cover the 90s <laughs> um can i just mention one thing
0: i mean you can mention whatever you want it's 75 you your sure
1: <laughs> it is fascinating watching him go beyond the 90s because that bit that we've covered that is like we said that brand starts there but like the mega stardom that he would go on to have and just the confidence to do a swing album <laughs> like he's supposed to be still be in that manufactured pop thing where he can only do the thing, and it is just like he's just going no I like swing music. I'm going to do a swing album and I'm going to get loads of famous people in. And it was the other thing I wanted to mention was because I was thinking about Kids with Kylie, Something Stupid, Nicole Kidman. It's got Rachel Hunter, I think, in one of his videos. And it's like, and that album, Swing When You Win In, all the famous people that come and collaborate with him on that and a range of people from other singers to then comedians like Jane Horrocks is in there he seems fun to work with really likeable and yeah just like really really keeps going and also to bring it back to where it began compare him post take that to the others now forget that they obviously go on and reform a lot lot later on but even Gary couldn't touch him in terms of how successful he got straight after the take that period
0: I mean again we're not going to dive too much into the stuff after the 90s but he was the biggest British pop star yeah it just was um I don't think that I don't, probably since Elton John, you know, Um, even you look at the other bands that came along, you take that Oasis, um, Spice Girls that come out at that time, where did they go? You look at the people that had solo careers from them, what did they do? Now, that they've had successful solo careers, but no one has quite reached that height that, that Robbie didn't. Um, I think my favourite album of his was the one he did next, and he did two in one year. He did Sing When You're Winning and Swing When You're Winning. Sing When You're Winning, I think, was my favourite album of his, probably. Um, I could say the the, the uh, Life Through a Lens was the one I got most enjoyed at the time, but that was my favourite. But um, he never quite cracked America, and something I'd written down in my notes that I lost, that I just remembered while I was speaking then, was in 1999, he did like a special American album. I think it was called something like The Ego Has Landed.
1: Oh, I vaguely remember this.
0: Yeah. And it, I think, it, I don't think there was anything new. I think he picked some of the best stuff from his yeah. previous two and gone to America with that. And he just never clicked over there. And I just wonder if it's because, because he's being this showman. I suppose American, uh, they could almost be a bit, I don't know if Snobby's right, were a bit like, were you coming over? You earned that right. You haven't earned yeah. that right over here yet. I can imagine that, which I can almost imagine is maybe why Oasis didn't quite kick on as mm-hmm. well as America as they perhaps should have done. Whereas you look at, I suppose, the biggest import to America was probably the Beatles. They never went over with that come-to-us-we're-awesome mm-hmm. attitude or that's how it, you know. I wasn't around then, oddly enough. Um, but that's how it seems looking back. But yeah, that's the that's the thing he did in nineteen ninety nine. Then the two thousands it kicked off kicked off there. Um, what I did want to do was just briefly run through a few of the awards that won, and I'm not going to go through them all, but I'm going to uh, pick a couple. So he was the GQ Man of the Year in uh, in nineteen ninety eight, two thousand and one, and in two thousand twelve he was the Icon of the Year for GQ.
1: He must have had Rear of the Year at some point.
0: Um, I can't see really no, it of the might year be after the
1: here. 90s, I guess, but he must have had it. Sorry, I don't know why I went there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> then there was the BAFTA's uh, Ivan Novello Awards. Angels got, and it didn't get Best Song, it got nominated for that. It got Most Performed Work, I don't know what award that is. <laughs> it got Songwriter <laughs> of the Year in 1999. 2000, Strong got Best Song Musically and Lyrically. 2005, the Iver, Iver Novella Award for Song of the Decade was Angels. Mm. And very amusingly, um, 2007, this is coming out of the 90s, but 2007, International Hit of the Year nominated was Box.
1: Oh, God.
0: Um, but yeah, BAFTAs.
1: BAFTAs?
0: Um, not BAFTAs, BRIT Awards. Great. BRIT Awards, yeah. Could It be Magic got a uh, single of the year for 93. Prey got single and video for 94. Uh, Back For Good got single of the year for 96. Angels got a single of the year for 99. With Let Me Entertain You won Best Video of the Year or British Video of the Year. Uh, and She's the one got Best Single of the Year and Best British Video of the Year. So yeah, a few of his a few of his awards there. Um so looking back on what we spoke about there, just looking at the 90s, just give us your sort of final thoughts on on Robbie as a whole and a couple of the songs that you would happily go and put on now just to go and listen to.
1: So my reflection is just this whole, I don't think I'd quite taken in just how much of a two fingers up to the band his solo sort of career was. I didn't know that he broke his contract. By releasing freedom, so I love that. I, I really like that fact. So I'm, I'm enjoying that. I learned that tonight. Um, in terms of songs, definitely take that and party, um, just so I can perfect it um, in terms of its intro. And I think from Robbie, um, personally, definitely she's the one.
0: Yeah, I, I think that from. I've been expecting you, maybe, maybe she uh, sing when you're winning, which is the next album. Mm-hmm. That's when I become a bit hooked on Robbie Williams, uh, for reasons we've spoken about in previous podcasts. But I can see, as we've been talking this day, how I've gravitated towards him as probably being the youngest in the group and standing out a little bit, and being like you said, the cheeky chappy, and, and sort of gravitating to him a little bit there. And then the songs that he's got lead vocals on are the ones that I like the best in the band. And then when he leaves, he's rebelling, and I'm drawn to that rebelliousness. And then it's the brand, and I'm drawn Mm -hmm. to the brand. And without actually sort of realising it at the time, it's just worked an absolute blinder on me at the time. (laughs) I'm the guy he's performing for, you know? Maybe not. Maybe he's not performing for me, but you get my point. Um, In terms of songs, I think, I cannot think of a Robbie Williams song, including Take That, that I genuinely dislike. Um, I don't think there is. I'll always have a soft spot for angels having said that. And maybe this ties into slightly what you were saying previously. I think I'm a bit bored of it. I mm-hmm. think because it's one well, at the time it was on all the time, which I think is where the uh, Everything I Do, I Do It For You song comes in. It's like all the fucking time and it just wears you down a little bit but still a beautiful song you know um i think my favorite robbie song from this time will probably have to be let me entertain you i think i think that's what it will fall but yeah it's interesting i kind of wish now next week we could do robbie in the 2000s um but just while we're live or recording live i'm gonna put you on the spot slightly Have you enjoyed doing this episode, reflecting back over one person over over the decade?
1: Yeah, I really did, actually. And I liked that you did a lot of the hard work in terms of having the facts and research ready so that I could respond to it. So maybe we do this again. I'll take that. I'll take that.
0: Yes. Excellent work.
1: (sighs) Oh. And I'll have similar notes prepared because it's just, we'll just do a little shout out for you, Terry. You've proper carried this. <laughs> if you what? hadn't had this. What,
0: the entire series? <gasps>
1: <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. You give you a teeny tiny bit and then...
0: I <sighs> how I take compliments. we have got to make it into a joke.
1: Yeah.
0: Um is there anyone off the top of your head that you can think of you'd like to do next? Oh phrase that wrongly because there's lots of people you <laughs> want to do. Anyone you would like to talk about on the podcast next in terms of a decade?
1: I think I would like to look at um a film star, maybe um Keanu or somebody like that.
0: When you said Keanu, that I uh, sorry, I'm when you said Reese. film star. <laughs> no, um when you said film star, it was immediately him that came in my brain.
1: Because he um, go he goes on. Which is just about mate, first Matrix? Is it ninety nine, or is uh, it yeah, the it is. Oh, it's the end
0: of the ninety nine. We had it in his list, so the Matrix in there, and then there's right from Bill and Ted, is not there?
1: That might be the second Bill and Ted, but yeah. So again, but I feel like he goes on a massive. Oh my goodness! And we'll have Bram Stoker's Dracula in his English accent. Yeah, Keanu Reeves done.
0: Johnny Depp would be a good one. Yeah, as well. he
1: was. He was also in my mind. So, yeah, between the two. Maybe we maybe we put it to a vote.
0: Oh we'll just do two episodes.
1: Oh, yeah, we could, yeah.
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, so I am going to put you on the spot one more time. Would you like to wrap up the show?
1: Yeah, I can wrap up the show. So this was the show that was all about Robbie um, going from the take that days, and he was the take that I most wanted to marry, and I'm guessing the one that Terry most wanted to marry as well, just just to guess. Um, so, those days intake take that word from boy into man um but always under the shadow of gary barlow and his song singer songwriting ways um so having to break free from that band and that rebellion that he goes into and we were all nervous and we all thought that will be the last we ever hear of that kid but he had bigger plans he had plans for freedom he stuck two fingers up to that contract and then he went off and he just develop the brand that was Robbie with things like Let Me Entertain You, the ballad that is Angels, and then going into things like Millennium and that later work. And it wouldn't be the last that we will hear from him. And I'm sure we'll discuss him again in another episode of Decapod.
0: Whatever floats your boat.
1: Exactly. And it's that thing of no kink shame.
0: I don't know. I think there's a couple of things <laughs> I'm ashamed of. <laughs> I mentioned bagpiping before.
1: I know. I still can't bring myself to look it
0: up. I don't look it up because <laughs> there was an incident. It's not a real thing. There was oh, a joke no. made. I was asked to do something that I didn't do because it was a bit weird. And just, yeah, no. Less well, said about that, the better. Okay. Let's just say that I still have nightmares about that woman to this day. (laughs) She genuinely punched me.